Amen. God is faithful. Amen. Amen. Well, um, you know, I'm excited to be here in Brick this weekend. I do like being here when I have the opportunity. It's 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 a definitely a pleasure, and you know, there we go. So, I'm um, this weekend. I'm doing a message called, as you see, here's your sign, <laughs> and you know, this message. It almost kind of started with a weird, when I was writing it, a weird uh, idea I had back in my childhood, one of the scarring moments of my childhood. I had many, but I think when I was a kid, I used to do something. And at that point, I did not know God at, when I was a kid. I, you know, I, I you know, say, oh, there's a God. I didn't really know who God is. Definitely didn't know who Jesus is. But I remember, uh, I think I was in middle school, and there would be like a girl I would like. It never worked out. Um, I would be shooting basketball in my front in my front yard, and I would be like, "God, if I make this shot, it'll work out." <laughs> now, how many of you know it doesn't work like that? I found out by firsthand experience many times. But you know, we could do that sometime. But anyway, what I want to look at today is we're going to be looking at a story in Jesus's life. Because see, the whole thing about today is many of us. I truly believe we're looking, God, let me see you moving. God, let me see you working. And the truth is, he is moving and working in our lives far more than we can see or realize. And I want to look at a story today from Jesus' life and ministry. And in this story, we're going to see Jesus interact with two groups of people. We're going to see him interact with his disciples and the Pharisees. Two different groups of people and the Pharisees were essentially, they were a rule-heavy religious group, and they missed out on the grace thing that Jesus was telling them about, about grace. But in this passage we're going to look at today, and we're going to get there in a few minutes, they share a very similar problem. Both the Pharisees and the disciples both share a similar problem in this story. And simply put, as we'll see, both groups were not very observant. Both groups were not observant at all. But before we jump in to that story, I thought it would be good to start off with to see with seeing how observant you guys are. So what I want to do is this. If you have a notebook, you can take your notebook out. If you have a tab, you can write on that. If you don't have either, this is the one time I'll tell you, you could take your phone out and get on your notes app, okay? So I'm going to give you five seconds to get that ready, and I'm going to put a picture on the screen. We're going to have a picture put on the screen for about 20 seconds, and I want you to write down every detail you observe in this picture. Whether Maybe it's where it's taken, what colors are in the picture, what's in the background, so on and so forth. I'm going to give you 20 seconds. Write down everything that you observe in this picture. The most 20 seconds of silence feels like two minutes. There we go. <clears throat> All right, that's probably about 20 seconds. You could stop, put down, no more, no more cheating. And Jonathan, leave this picture up. Just leave this one up right now. No more typing, no more writing. Now, I'm sure everybody in here had a bunch of fantastic observations. If I had time, I would look down to see what everybody wrote. And I'm sure you guys had fantastic observations, but I have one question. How many of you observed the chameleon? We got one. You can go to the next picture. Right there. 
There's a chameleon right in the picture. A chameleon's butt right there. Smack dab in the picture. And now it's easy to see, right? Isn't it easy to see? I think maybe we had like one or two people that saw it before, but when, now when it's highlighted like that, it's very easy to see, right? You can go, oh my gosh, there's literally a chameleon right there. And you might be thinking, how the heck did I miss that? And that's a good question because it was right in front of you. It's a fair question. But isn't it strange when that happens sometimes in life? It could be strange, right? Isn't it strange how sometimes that we could miss something that's right in front of our eyes? That happens. I know many times I could think that that's happened to me. I missed something right in front of my eyes. And not just something that's, you know, this is not the most important thing. But I could miss God trying to do something right in front of my eyes without even realizing it. And that lack of observation is what we're going to be looking at here tonight, because we're going to go to Mark chapter 8, and we're going, to, this is, we're going to spend pretty much the whole message in Mark 8, verses 1 to 21. And I'm going to read the whole passage first, and then I'm going to go back and break it down. Amen? And I want you to keep in mind, too, that we're going to see a great miracle, the first, I think, 10 verses, and then just stick with me. I'm going to go through the whole thing, and then I'm going to break it down. So we're going to go to Mark chapter 8, verses 1 through 10. To start, it says, In those days, the multitude being very great and having nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples to him and said to them, I have compassion on the multitude because they have now continued with me three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away hungry to their own houses, they will faint on the way, for some of them have come from afar. Then his disciples answered him, How can one satisfy these people with bread here in the wilderness? And he asked them, how many loaves do you have? And they said, seven. So he commanded the multitude to sit down on the ground, and he took the seven loaves and gave thanks, broke them, and gave them to his disciples to set before them. And they set them before the multitude. They also had a few small fish, and having blessed them, he set to them also before them. So he set them also before them. So they ate and were filled, and they took up seven large baskets of leftover fragments. <clears throat> Now those who had eaten were about 4,000, and he sent them away, immediately got into the boat with his disciples, and he came to the region of Dalmanutha. Dalmanutha. He came to a different region. But <laughs> Jesus just did an amazing miracle, amen? amen. He just fed uh, 4,000 people. And just so you know, if you go in the Gospel of Mark, just two chapters before this, keep in mind, Jesus fed 5,000 people. Now let's pick up in verse 11. It says, Then the Pharisees, right after this miracle, then the Pharisees came out and began to dispute with him, seeking from him a sign from heaven, testing him. But he sighed deeply in his spirit and said, Why does this generation seek a sign? Assuredly, I say to you, no sign shall be given to this generation. And he left them and getting into the boat again, departed to the other side. Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread and they did not have more than one loaf with them in the boat. <clears throat> then he charged them saying, take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they reasoned among themselves saying, it is because we have no bread. But Jesus being aware of it said to them, why do you reason because you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive nor understand? Is your heart still hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many basketful of pieces did you pick up? 
12, they replied. And when I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? They answered, seven. He said to them, do you still not understand? In, these sto- in this story that we see taking place at the same time, right after the miracle of Jesus having an interaction with the Pharisees and then Jesus having an interaction with his disciples, we see the same thing, that a problem that both of the groups shared. And simply put, their problem was this. Both of them, their problem was they can't see what Jesus is doing right in front of their eyes. They can't see. Neither group can see what Jesus is doing right in front of their eyes. See, Jesus proved time and time again that he is who he said he was. He was, in fact, he showed them the promised Messiah, the Son of God, the Redeemer of all things. And yet, like that chameleon in our exercise, they didn't see it, at least not fully. The disciples at least didn't see it fully yet. And we see that the Pharisees and the disciples, they had the same observation problem of they couldn't see what Jesus was doing right in front of their own eyes, but they had different reasons behind the problem. So I'm going to break this down, and we're going to start with the Pharisees first. So we can go back to Mark chapter uh, 8, verse 11, as we start to break this down. And first, we're going to look at the Pharisees and the problem that they had. So remember, Jesus just fed 4,000 people. It says, and the Pharisees came out and begin began to dispute with him, seeking from him a sign from heaven, testing him. The Pharisees, just think about this for a second. Jesus just fed 4,000 people. And right after, the Pharisees run up to him and begin to dispute with him, saying, show us a sign from heaven, testing him. Jesus, first off, should have grabbed one of the extra over loaves and slapped them. That's what he should have done. He said, uh, Mark, somebody, bring me the basket quick. And he should have smacked them with the bread. Because how could they even, you think about it, how could they even have the audacity to run up to Jesus after they, seize it, after they see this and going, seeking, we want a sign from heaven. Show us that you're the Messiah. And begin to dispute with him and argue with him. They were approaching Jesus like he was some miracle vending machine. Just give me a miracle. Just give me a miracle. Let us see it. Let us see it. Because they wanted him to prove his divinity. But remember what I just said. Jesus has already proven that. He proved who he was time and time again. Because so far, before this even account in Mark's gospel, we've seen many things already. Jesus healed a leper. Jesus healed a paralytic. He healed a blind guy. He walked on water during a storm. He calmed the storm by speaking to it. He resurrected a dead girl. He healed a woman with a lifelong ailment. And he fed thousands of people by miraculously multiplying a small amount of bread twice. And these Pharisees, and there's list even goes on, and these Pharisees coming up from him, demanding that he show them a sign from heaven. Jesus, I mean, I don't know about you, but I could see the absolute ridiculousness of this request. And I believe Jesus did too, because Jesus responded with this. Jesus responded, it says, but he sighed deeply in his spirit and said, why does this generation seek a sign? Assuredly, I say to you, no sign shall be given to this generation. And he left them and getting into the boat again, departed to the other side. See, the reason that Jesus didn't bother with their request and yet another sign is because he knows the truth. And the truth in this matter was that the Pharisees were unwilling to see what Jesus was doing. No matter what, they were unwilling to see what Jesus was doing. 
He could have done a million more miracles in front of them, and they still would have demanded more. They were unwilling to see what he was doing right in front of their eyes. They were unwilling to see who he truly was, that he is who he said he was. They were unwilling to see it. And you know, honestly, this Pharisee problem, it could still be well and alive today, to be honest, in many ways. Some people, there could be people that they simply will not believe in Jesus because they're unwilling to open their eyes and observe. There's the existence of God's goodness all around us if we take time to look. Now, in some ways, this could be us, not in the fact of not believing in Jesus. Maybe you, you believe in Jesus. You know he's God's son and you've received him as your savior. But maybe you're unwilling to see what he's doing in your daily life. And you go, Pastor Matt, never How could you say that? Well, have you ever been in such an angry mood before or such a miserable mood? And we can be honest that no matter what could happen, you wouldn't see the good in that day. I've been there. Right. Sometimes our attitude, no matter what, we will not see something good in front of us because at that point we are unwilling to believe. There could be many people that fall into because I taught I've talked to people that are unwilling to believe that anything good could actually happen in their life. And if you have that mindset, you're not going to see it. There's many people that struggle with that. God's blessings are all around us. If you're looking for evidence of God, maybe you're here and you you don't believe in God, or maybe you're you're on the fence. If you're looking for evidence uh, evidence of God, all of creation screams, here's our sign. God made everything. When you go and you see the beautiful mountains, you see this, God, creation screams out, here's your sign. And creation is not the only sign that a, a personal and powerful God exists. Stories of life change you can hear from people, answered prayers, miraculous healings that can enforce that truth. But here's the thing. If you aren't willing to believe, you will overlook or discredit even the most obvious signs of God. You know, maybe you find yourself doing this. Maybe sometimes you could find yourself doing it, overlooking, discrediting stuff. And if you're in that category, that's okay. Maybe you haven't received Jesus yet as your Lord and Savior, and you'll have that opportunity too. And maybe you've discredited it or you've overlooked this, but I just ask you this. Just open your heart. Open your heart today, amen? But I just want to use an example that popped in my mind. And I remember I was talking to a friend once, and he wasn't believing that God really had a plan for him in his life when it came to his job. And he would tell me, Matt, I, I got to get a different job. God has a, a bigger and better plan. I got to get a different job where I could impact more people. I can make a difference in more people's life. And I remember listening to him. And I remember I said to him, I said, so what's the main reason you want a new job? Is it money? Not really, no. I make good money. Okay, so what's the main reason you want a new job? Is it your hours? No, I have great hours. What's the reason you want a new job? Do you not get benefits? No, I got great benefits. At that point, I'm like, no, I'm just kidding. I'm like, are you okay? No, but I said, what's the reason you want a new job? Because I want to be able to have the chance to impact more people. I said, okay, that's a, that's a good, fair reason. I said to him, I said, can I ask you one question, though? He said, what? I said, how many people do you work with in your office? He said, oh, there's like, my office is pretty big. There's like 40 people. I said, oh, that's interesting. I said, and how many people, like customers, do you come in contact with? He goes, oh, a lot. I go, that's really interesting. I go, how many people could you impact on a daily basis? He goes, uh, 
think a lot. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, God might have you there for a reason. You're not even seeing it. You have people right in front of you that you can impact. And he ended up, I think, I think he's still there. I haven't talked to him in a while. I think he's still there. But I know he actually got to lead, I think, three or four people to the Lord after that. Coworkers. So he just, in his mind, was, I want to impact more people. He, but he didn't see what was right in front of him. There was a group of people to impact. Because he wasn't willing to believe that that job that he was at was where he should be in that moment. Anyway. Now, we saw the Pharisees. But now I want to look at the disciples. Because, see, remember, the disciples had the same problem as the Pharisees. They weren't very observant. I think many of us here, we maybe, not, maybe some of us fall into the Pharisees' problem, but I think a lot of us fall into the disciples' problem. See, they still couldn't see what Jesus was doing right in front of their eyes, but they had a very different reason behind it, which I think we could fall into. See, let's go now to verse 14, back to verse 14. It says, now the disciples had forgotten. Remember, Jesus just told the Pharisees about themselves. He got back in the boat to go with his disciples now. And it says, now the disciples had forgotten to take bread. And they did not have more than one loaf with them in the boat. Then he, so they must have forgot all the extras and they had one loaf with them. Then he charged them saying, take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. See, often that term leaven here, it had an evil connotation. And that is what is small may corrupt the whole. The context Jesus is using this, it suggests a link with the Pharisees' demand for a sign that we just saw in verse 11. And Herod's leaven embraces the evil portrayed, if you go back to Matthew, Mark chapter 6, verse 14 to 29, that's godlessness of the worldly man. Jesus is trying to teach his disciples a lesson here. They're in the boat, and Jesus is like, this is a great time to speak into their life, to teach them something. So he charged them, saying, take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. He's trying to teach them something here. So his disciples, in verse 16, it says, and they reasoned among themselves. So they're like looking at Jesus now, and they look around at each other, and they reasoned among themselves, saying, it is because we have no bread. Their mind goes to, Jesus is mad that we don't have bread. We only brought one loaf. But Jesus, being aware of it, said to them, why do you reason because you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive nor understand? Is your heart still hardened? Having eyes do you not see? And having ears do you not hear? And do you not remember? And he goes and tells them, when I broke the five loaves to feed the 5,000, we had 12 basketfuls. He says, when I broke the seven loaves to feed the 4,000, we had seven extra loaves left, basketfuls, not loaves. And he said to them in verse 21, do you still not understand? See, Jesus just shrugged off the Pharisee's sign, request for a sign, and he decided to do a little discipleship with his disciples in the boat by teaching them not what, what not to do. He's trying to teach them what not to do, something like, guys, <clears throat> make sure you don't act like the Pharisees. Make sure you're not acting like the Pharisees, demanding signs, being slow to believe, testing God, and so forth. And it was a great learning opportunity for Jesus' disciples, but they were too distracted by their growing stomachs to listen. They were more concerned about is Chick-fil-A going to be open for dinner? No. But they were so concerned about what are we going to eat for dinner, they're missing the whole thing that Jesus is trying to teach them. And if you think about it, it's almost as ludicrous as the Pharisees running up to Jesus demanding a sign because Jesus just miraculously fed 4,000 people. And all I'm saying is if I was in the boat, I don't think I would be too worried about the food situation. 
right? I wouldn't be too worried about the fact that we only have one loaf of bread in this boat after I just saw what Jesus did. But his disciples are concerned with, is it because we only brought one loaf of bread? See, now Jesus' disciples are very different from the Pharisees in the fact that they were willing to listen to Jesus. They're listening to Jesus. He's their teacher, and they're following him after all. They're following him. But here's their issue. The disciples are inattentive to what Jesus was doing. The disciples in this moment were inattentive to what Jesus was trying to do. In other words, they were not paying attention. Because if the disciples would have stopped in that moment and just thought, they could have learned something from Jesus and calmed their worries about dinner. But they were inattentive to what Jesus was doing and saying. And I think there could be many of us that we could relate to this struggle, that we could fall into this category. Because see, unlike the Pharisees, we're willing to see the work of Jesus. And we believe the words of Jesus, but sometimes we are too distracted to fully take it to heart. I caught myself in this, and this is when I was writing the message I was thinking, a few weeks ago. Does anybody, and you can be honest, I'm telling you I do it, sometimes you're reading the Bible maybe in the morning, but you have a million other things on your mind, right? So that happened to me the other morning a couple weeks ago. I woke up late, so and I hate waking up late because I, I just feel very rushed. Because it was if I had off, I, I wouldn't have, but I've had, it was a day I had work, so I woke up late, and I was like, i got to read, and then I'm getting Everest up. She's yelling at me, trying to get Bianca up. She's yelling at me. No, I'm just kidding. But, so I'm getting everybody up, and then I'm like, okay, i got to go read my Bible. So I run just to get my Bible, and at this point, just to be honest with you, because I felt so, I had a million things in my mind of what I had to do. We're going to be late. we still got to get Everest ready. She doesn't want to change her clothes. She doesn't want to brush her hair. What am I going to do? To where I'm going to be honest, I just read my Bible because I was like, I just want to check it off the checklist, just to be honest. So I remember thinking, because the previous day, I was struggling with fear about some situations the previous day. So I was thinking to myself, oh, well, let me go to some scriptures on fear this morning. Perfect. So I go to the ones I knew, 2 Timothy 1.7. But I'm zooming through these because, again, in this moment, to be honest, I just want to check it off. So I go through the fear scriptures. I, just, I read four fear scriptures. So I'm like, oh, great. I read the fear scriptures. I'm going to be perfect today. I'm not going to fear. And I was so distracted with other things. I think an hour later, I got so anxious about something and so fearful. And I was like, wait, wait wait a second. Because here's the thing. When I was reading the word, I was so distracted, I didn't fully take it to heart. What I literally just read of what Jesus was telling me not to do, I just did. And we could find ourselves doing this. Because sometimes we could be so distracted, we could, not, we could not really be able to see what God is trying to tell us, to speak to us, and to do in our life. Listen, when you open up the word of God at any time, God is speaking to you. He wants to speak to you. He wants to show you something. But we need to make sure sometimes we quiet down, put out the distractions, and say, God, speak to me. Holy Spirit, teach me, open my eyes to the scriptures and not be so distracted with everything else going on. Because the truth is, is I truly believe that we have many opportunities every single day to see God moving and to praise him for it. Just to be honest, from friendships 
Judas, look up. You see a blue sky from that, from friendships that keep us going. They're gifts from God. And concerning hearing God, because I believe we have opportunities to hear God each and every day. I don't think God goes, it's Sunday. I'll speak to my people only today. No, God wants to speak to us. And I want to use this analogy concerning hearing. Raise your hand if you have a friend who is seemingly incapable of using their inside voice. You know what I mean? That person. The friend whose volume is at 11. Always. The friend you know by, I had a friend like this, you would know by, I do not want to be the one to sit next to him in the movie theater because whispering is an absolute impossible task for them. I had an uncle that was like this, and he would take me to the movies, but he would always take me to the movies after he already saw the movie. So he already knew everything that happened, and he had a problem where he had to tell me everything that was happening as the movie was going on, which was frustrating in itself, but was more frustrating was he was so loud, everybody would keep looking at us, and I would feel so embarrassed. Like, sorry, yeah, he just ruined the movie for you. There you go. But we all have that friend like that, and if you don't, you probably are that friend to others. But, you know, God, God is not necessarily like that. God has an outside voice and an inside voice, and he uses both. For instance, Psalm 29 says God's voice can break cedars and shake the wilderness. But in Hosea 2.14, it says God will speak tenderly to his people. And though God has both and uses both, I would almost argue that I believe he uses his inside voice more often. A voice that we will hear if we can remove the distractions, quiet our lives, and lean in to listen. Because... When you stop and get silent, you can see the hand of God and hear the voice of God. God is moving. You know, if you, I don't have this scripture, but you can read this story. In 1 Kings 19 with Elijah, and Elijah just escapes Jezebel, and he's going away, and he ends up in a cave. And God calls him out. And he just escaped, and God calls him out, and he's looking out, and then a huge wind comes. Doesn't hear anything. An earthquake comes, fire comes, and then all of a sudden, still small voice, God comes to him and speaks to him in a still small voice. It was a still small voice that Elijah, through all the other stuff, he didn't hear God. He heard God in a still small voice and ended up giving him direction of what to do. But could it be that God wants to speak to you as well? He wants to give you direction in your life. He wants to remind you of who you are. He wants to use you to advance his kingdom. But the the busyness, the distractions of your life has drowned out his voice. Many of us can wake up. There may be many of us in here. You wake up, God, use me to advance your kingdom today. But the truth is you are unwilling to see it in that day or you're inattentive that he is trying to use you in that day to advance his kingdom. Can I just use an example that just popped in my mind? And I'm, if, if this hurts your feelings, don't get mad at me because I did it too, so I'm hurting my own feelings. I remember there would be times, and many of us can do this, God, use me to advance your kingdom today. And then one thing goes bad in the day, and you go, I'm not talking to anybody for the rest of the day. 
well, you know what? You're unwilling in that moment to let God maybe use you to advance your kingdom because you're telling him, I'm not talking to anybody today. Well, he needs somebody's mouth to tell somebody about Jesus. Right? Or, God, use me to advance your kingdom today. Use me, Father, I want to see you moving today. And then all day, guilty as charged, we're like this. 50 people are walking in front of us. We're just like, somebody's talking to us, and we're like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I'll pray for you. I'm not bashing, but the truth is, is we can get so busy with distractions. But God, I believe, listen, God has a plan and a purpose for each and every person's life in here. And don't beat yourself up. I don't say this to have guilt or condemnation. I say this because I think sometimes we could be missing out. We're missing out on the movement and the miracles of God happening all around us and in us. So don't get down about it, but instead, as I'm, as I'm getting ready to close, the one thing I can think of is start to think and ask God, God, show me this week how I can advance your kingdom. Speak to me this week. And I want to show you because you go, well, Pastor Matt, I haven't seen God move in my life. I guarantee you God has moved in your life in many ways. So my challenge to you is this, this week. When you get home tonight or tomorrow, but don't start later than tomorrow because you'll forget. If you have sticky notes at home, grab a pad of sticky notes. If you don't, just go out and buy a pad of sticky notes or just get a notebook at home. That's fine. But if you have sticky notes, every time this week that you see the evidence of God working in or blessing your life, write it down on that sticky note and place it in a cup or a jar. So if God answers a prayer request, something you're believing for, write it down. Many of us, we go, I haven't really seen God moving in our life, and we don't even realize he's answered two or three prayer requests that we've had. Because maybe it's something we prayed a month ago and forgot about it a year ago. A desire of our heart that gets met that then we overlook. A desire of a heart for something a year ago that we, oh my gosh, God, we want you to do this. And then time goes on and he finally does it. And then it's just like, oh yeah, he, he did it. That's a miracle. God answered a desire of your heart. So whenever you see something this week, write it down. If it's a strained friendship and your life begins to heal, write it down. If someone asks you about your faith for the first time, write it down. If you get to share your faith with somebody, write it down. If someone uh, buys you a cup of coffee, write it down. If God helps you through a situation that you thought was hopeless, write it down. If you see an awesome sunset, write it down. And I want you to do that this week because I truly believe God is working in our lives more than we realize. God is working in our lives far more than we realize. But we could either be like the Pharisees or Jesus' disciples either were unwilling to see it or were too distracted to see it. But I be believe if we begin, when we begin to take notice of God moving in our life, our faith's going to grow. Our faith's going to grow. And do you need a miraculous sign to believe? No. Do you need to audibly hear God's voice boom from the sky? No. But I believe this week, if you would just open your eyes and your ears, you'll hear God's soft whisper and you'll see moments throughout the week where Jesus is pointing and saying, here's your sign. That person in front of you, go tell them about me. And it might not be in that booming audible voice. It could just be in that 
I know I need to go talk to this person. I know I need to go bless this person. I know I need to send this person a text. They've been on my heart. Why have they been on my heart for a week? Why have I been thinking about this person for a week? God might very well want you to reach out to them. That's why. God, remember, God needs to use us, right? We're his representatives here. He uses us to advance his kingdom, but we need to be obedient. And God wants to teach us things each and every day. He wants to help lead us. He wants to help guide us, but don't let the distractions make you not able to see it or to hear him. Why don't we all stand up? Before I pray, I want to make sure I give that opportunity because maybe you were in here and maybe like the Pharisees, at a point in your life, you were unwilling to believe that Jesus was God's son. But your heart is open and you're seeing that Jesus is who he said he was. Well, I want to give you that opportunity to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, as the Lord of your life. Jesus said, I'm sorry, Paul said when he wrote in Romans, he said, if you believe Jesus is God's son and you believe he went to the cross for your sins and died for your sins and you believe that he rose again, he says, when you confess that with your mouth, you believe that in your heart, he says, you are saved. It's about trusting in God. It's not about your good works. It's about trusting in the finished work of the cross. So I want to lead us in that prayer and we can all pray this together. And know that if you pray this for the first time, you become a child of God. It says you are sealed with his spirit. You go from death, spiritual death, to spiritual life. Amen. So why don't we pray this together. Father, I believe that Jesus is your son. And I believe that he went to the cross for my sins. He died for my sins. And he rose again. So this day, I acknowledge that I need a Savior. I repent of my old ways. And Jesus, I ask you to come into my life, to be my Lord, and to be my Savior. I thank you for now making me a child of God. I surrender my life to you. And I'm going to follow you all of my days. In Jesus' name, amen, 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 amen. Listen, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, when we're dismissed in just a minute, don't just leave. Please come up here and say, I prayed that salvation prayer because it is the beginning of your journey with God. He has a plan and a purpose for your life. We want to give you a Bible. We want to give you materials to help you as you begin this, this relationship, this journey with God. Amen? Amen? And remember, this week, don't be like the disciples in this instance in the boat, so distracted about everything else that you can miss out on what Jesus is trying to teach you or show you right in front of you. Open your eyes. You'll see the blessings of God all around him. Ask him for opportunities and then look for those opportunities. Look for those opportunities. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you all. We love you. If you need prayer for anything else, please come up. We would love to pray with you. Amen? Amen. God bless you.